Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Today, I'm joined by two people, Virginia Bryant and Rob Mapp of GitHub. Virginia Bryant is the Director of Customer Marketing at GitHub. Her program works to showcase world-class software innovation from companies of all sizes, as well as the culture and craft of software development through the README project, which is what we'll be talking about today. When she isn't bringing her passion for customers and community to life, she's chasing chickens and children, in that order, presumably, tackling home improvement projects and enjoying the outdoors in Colorado. Rob Mapp is GitHub's Senior Director of Customer and Insights Marketing, which focuses on interrelated programs designed to promote platform and community best practices, gain actionable market insights, and create advocacy. He lives with his family in Seattle, Washington, where he focuses on watching his daughters play soccer, petting every dog, and planning the next travel adventure. Today, as I kind of teased before, we're gonna talk about an initiative that GitHub has launched called the Readme Project, which amplifies the voices of the developer community by telling stories about open source, culture, security, DevOps, and more. The reason we're talking about this today is because it's an incredible way to give value to their customers without expecting anything in return. They've put together this amazing resource for their customers and the overall community that isn't designed to simply push prospects down the sales funnel. It's truly meant to build goodwill around their brand and help their customers advance their careers. In our conversation today, we chat about a brand-based approach to marketing, how to create content your customers will actually find valuable, and how to make your customers want to provide you with user-generated content. Virginia, Rob, welcome to the All About the Customer podcast. Thanks for having us. Awesome. So I feel like there's so many things we could talk about with GitHub, with marketing and customer centricity, but today we're going to be talking about this README project. So apart from having a great name, I don't have much development experience. I do have a GitHub account. It hasn't been touched in many, many years, but I know enough about development to know that README is a great name for this project. So what is the README project? Yeah, I can go ahead and jump in on that. But first, I guess for the uninitiated, I should probably just say a little bit about GitHub in general. And GitHub is both a platform and a community. It's the home of 94 million developers that come together to collaborate on open source software. And from a platform perspective, it's also how organizations of all sizes, from startups in a garage all the way through large enterprises, it's how they orchestrate their software development strategy. And so the README project, it's an evolution of what our traditional customer marketing strategy was. It was very evidence-based and trying to move the voice of the customer through all channels of marketing. And then we got really specific into thinking about the software development community, right? And building a content platform or a media platform that's about the culture and craft of building software at an individual and a community level. So it manifests itself through written editorial of personal stories from software developers those who bootstrapped themselves and then became influencers in the community. It's also featured stories. So we're very intentional of wanting stories that could be that you could read and it could be in Wired, for example, that, that are in and around software topics. And it's meant to stoke discussion within the community around languages or something nostalgic about how open source started linking back to the AOL mod days, right? And then finally, um, 
we have a content type that's built around experts in the in the space. And it's guides on the culture of software. So like building your career, for example, how to document your software, as well as how to onboard into to GitHub products into like automating your software workflow. So, and then finally, there's a Q&A that leverages several experts in a moderated discussion. So that's our written editorial platform, but it also manifests itself in a monthly podcast as well, where we bring the expert voices together. I think what I love about this from a customer-centric standpoint is it's really kind of customer-centric in a couple of key ways. So like the one side of it is the value that you're adding to the community, right? So the, through these guides, through these editorials, through these stories that you're telling, your customers and non-customers are getting a lot of knowledge to help them be better at their job. So there, there's that side of the customer centricity, but it's also the way that you're doing this. You're doing this in a way that you're showcasing your customers as well. And the design, the work that goes into these high production value, I would imagine makes people want to do these things. This is probably like a little bit of a status symbol for them and is really helping them build their brand. So I think it's a really cool customer-centric approach, both from the value that it's putting out to the community, but then also how it's elevating your customers. I'm sure that was probably somewhat intentional. Yeah, I think you're spot on. This was, as Rob mentioned, an evolution of our customer marketing practice and how we're using our enterprise storytelling to build trust and advocacy within our community. But one of the greatest measures of success that we have seen over the two years that the project has existed has been the kind of month over month increase in inbound pitches and folks saying, how do I get involved with this project? Or I want to ask a question of your experts, or have you thought about talking on this topic? Because this is something I really want to know more about. And for us, that provides us one, a great wealth of ideas and information that makes our job as content creators easier. But it also states that we're on the right track and that we are building something that is deeply valuable and resonates with our community. So in the same way that the voice of the customer kind of can validate your product strategy, the voice of our community is really validating the strategy and intent behind the README project. I think it's a dream that anybody who produces user-generated content wants is to have inbound requests to do these type of things, not have you beating down the door. And I think it's because it's so valuable what you're creating. I always say to people, like, you need to try to position this in a way where it's an opportunity, not an ask, right? Like, you're not asking people to produce these guides. Like, you're showing them, like, hey, by producing this content, you're going to get elevated in this way. You're going to get exposure in this way, both for your company, but also just you as an individual, which I think you to tap into that, I don't want to say selfish angle, but the personal angle of it, that it's not just about your company. It's about, like, you as an individual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's when, been one of the coolest parts about the Readme project is uh, it, it wasn't our intention at first to, and we wanted to elevate the voice of the community for sure. But there's these really touching stories from folks who say, hey, look, I got my dream job because I was featured on the Readme project, or I finally got to speak at this, this conference I've always wanted to speak at because of the guide I wrote for the Readme project. And so that's been great. And as a result, yeah, as Virginia said, we've had this more inbound on nominations for for folks in the community or for individuals who said, hey, look, I'm an expert in this area and I want my voice to be heard. So that's been a great, great benefit. And we do use that to our advantage now 
when pitching influencers that we maybe wouldn't have approached previously, but we've got some momentum here as a result. And so we're going to spend that capital in, in getting the best voices for the Readme project. I was also just going to say, for us, it's a huge honor to be able to show the face of what software development can look like. Because we are all aware that software development is a space that has been more white and more male. And so we get an opportunity to surface voices that might not be heard from as often and have a global representation in the stories that we're telling and have a really diverse group of folks. And we have hubbers now who have come to GitHub because they felt that they saw a company that valued DB&I based on the work we've done on the README project. And we've seen people who maybe wouldn't have raised their hand to say, hey, I'm an expert in this. Virginia's point about being able to help showcase diverse voices is incredibly important in our customer content. If you want to learn more about that topic, you can check out my conversation with Pascal Royal on episode 10 of this podcast called The Importance of Diversity in Customer Storytelling and Our Teams. So it sounds like guides is like a really interesting aspect of what you're doing. And in a previous conversation, you mentioned that it's kind of the strongest advocacy play. So for people who are interested in checking out the guides, I mean, you can see everything at github.com slash readme, but specifically the guides are github.com slash readme slash guides. Tell me a little bit about these guides and why you feel like it's a strong advocacy play. Yeah. So as we touched on a bit, this is an opportunity for us to use the expertise of our community to help other folks within the community to grow and improve in their craft, in their understanding of the fundamentals and the culture of software. And we have two types of guides now. We have the developer guides, which are really focusing on how can I as an individual help another individual, my peer, to learn and grow from my experience. And they're intended to be very actionable. They're intended to be focused on something relatively narrow so they can achieve that actionability versus going very broad and maybe like too thought leadership in the modern sense of the term. And then we also have the enterprise guides, which is a, a bit newer. And that's our opportunity to start to build on ramps for enterprise teams or organizations that are trying to improve the operations within a large team of people. And you can think about, again, cultural things like how to build a DevOps organization, which is as much culture as it is tooling, or getting very tactical on showing people a level 100, 200, 300 progression into using a certain workflow or activating a certain tool. And so while the Remy project is not meant to be a lead gen activity. We don't have CTAs that drive you to convert or to purchase or even really to go to a product page. It allows people to to get better and to ultimately realize more value in the investment that they're making through these on-ramps that can help take you from, I just bought this shiny new thing to Now I'm really seeing a huge amount of value and I'm feeling really like we're activating the entirety of our developer workforce, for instance. And so touching on that, like Rob, in the previous conversation we had, you mentioned that there's this 
handshake or unwritten rule that with these things, you're not trying to sell them. And Virginia, you mentioned that these guides don't have a GitHub CTA on the bottom. And to be fair, they're on the GitHub site. But when I was looking at a lot of the guides, not only do they not have a CTA on them, a lot of them don't even contain the word GitHub. So I'd love for you to talk about that idea of how you think about coming up with these guides in a way that is meaningful to the community, but still can like benefit GitHub as well? Like, how do you think about when you're doing a guide that's a little bit more GitHub specific, how you're doing it where it's just a general benefit to the community? Have you come up with a, a formula for doing that or is it just gut feel? Well, we started before we got into the enterprise guides, which are fairly new as Virginia suggested. We, As you say, we have this handshake, unwritten handshake agreement with the community that we're not going to do Hawk product and that GitHub is open source and we want this knowledge to be open source. So it sticks within the ethos of the community. And this is for our community that's already, they have a license. A lot of them have a, they're on a free product, but some of them are on the base level product and they're just starting. Right? They're starting their career, they're journeying software development, or they're maybe mid-career. And we want to be able to help them. And we want to be able to leverage the best voices in the community to do that. So they're already in and we want to give this benefit to them that this is the power of our community that you can learn from each other and have this expert knowledge base in which to draw from. And then the decision to to move to the enterprise guides, which are uh, focused on ramps to some of our advanced capabilities in the platform, we did that after talking to folks in the community and folks on our developer relations team in wanting to do it in a very authentic way. And so as such, we looked at what's the on-ramp or the base level techniques that you should be thinking about for this platform that's already available to you. And so that's why, for example, for a lot of our e-guides on automation, we actually have the YAML file or it's it's the base level instructions on how to build this workflow. So someone can take that, copy it, modify it for their own environment, And it can be actionable that day. They can test it that day or put it into production that day. And so that is within the ethos of open source as well. And it's not a CTA to like, go buy it now, but it's, you already have access to it. Here's how you can start using it. And here's how Shopify did it. And so when you're doing those a bit more GitHub focused stories that might be on like advanced features for enterprise, because you're trying to do this in a way that still isn't salesy, like how do you think about Do you have any advice on how to toe that line between still making it about GitHub and making it about these features, but not doing it in a way that feels too over the top salesy? Because that's a really hard line for a lot of people to balance. And any thoughts on advice for trying to toe that line successfully? So with this, we're really focusing on an actionable outcome versus your emotional feelings around the solution. And it's sort of like, this is how we solved a problem. This is a means to an end that we were encountering within our team. And we recognize that there are other people and other teams that could learn from the work that we put in to find this solution. And that's, as Rob said, that's not just open source. That's very software development. If you think about how people build software, you're not writing every, it's not like open new file software. You're taking stuff, you're going on Stack Overflow, you're going on GitHub, you're reading things on Hacker News, you're seeing how other people have solved these problems and you're hoping to solve them in 
a more streamlined, effective way. And hopefully you give that back to the community. And so it's really applying that to an enterprise scale where there is more siloed data by definition, right? If you're a auto manufacturer and you've solved a problem that was really challenging for your 10,000 developers, as a leader of, of a DevOps workflow, DevOps team, you might not get the pleasure of speaking with other practitioners who hold a similar title to you. And so it's giving our audience a look within that black box mm-hmm. and letting these leaders have a place where they can come together and learn from one another. And hopefully it will start a dialogue and hopefully we can connect these people offline and build more community in that way. Yeah. And you're also just really giving them a megaphone to do this because you're right. I think the developer community, probably more than any other community really believes in this high tide raises all ships, but not everybody has the reach, right? Like not everybody's on social media and their content doesn't just magically go viral, but to have a platform like this, where it's like, Hey, you probably want to share your expertise. You probably want to help other people, but you don't have the platform. Well, we have the platform to help do that. So there's so many angles at play here where it's like, there's the more, you know, personal brand building side of things, but it's also just, even if you just want to do this purely for altruistic reasons and get this knowledge out there, that's where we can come in and help, which is really interesting. Yeah. And so many of these organizations that we work with have engineering blogs and they're trying to share the way that they're building and the leadership that they're demonstrating and talk about these challenges. And so, you know, as we've discussed, GitHub has this great pleasure of having a huge audience just because software is built on GitHub. And so by letting them publish something that they might publish on their own technology blog on ours instead, how many more eyes could that potentially get? Yep. Additionally, the benefit to the enterprises or the mid-sized companies that are writing these e-guides as they're trying to attract developer talent themselves. And, and showing that they're advanced users of GitHub shows, shows folks that are prospects that are looking for jobs that, hey, I want to go work for this company because I like the way they're building the culture. I love the tools they're using. We hear that over and over again from the brands we speak to. And so it's an added benefit for them. This comes back to something Rob said earlier in the interview around how people tell them they got a better job from being on the README project, how they got to speak in an event they've always wanted to. Imagine creating content that showcases your customers in that way. That's what customer content should be doing. It's not about being purely altruistic. You're still creating marketing material. But what if you could do it in a way that was more customer-centric? What if it could be truly a win-win for you and your customers? You'll create content that's more meaningful, and you'll have customers wanting to help you create this content. So let's talk about that brand approach here, because I'm sure GitHub does a lot of different marketing, but this is really a brand-based approach. So talk to me a little bit about what you think that means and why it's not the only thing that people need to do, but why it can be such a valuable way to spread the word about your company. Yeah. So brand is super nebulous in that it's not something that's easily measured. It's not, you can't tie it to your PQLs or to your legion activities. In fact, it can be really hard to measure with any kind of ROI type number. You're more likely to be measuring sentiment, social engagement, customer satisfaction, and NPS score. And 
When you think about brand though, I like to use an analogy of why somebody maybe chooses to purchase Nikes over Asics. And it's so much of the purchasing decisions we make have to do with how we feel and how we feel about the brand and how we feel about what that brand says about us. And we know, especially millennials, Gen Z, are getting more and more focused on making sure that the brands that they interact with, that they think they're good corporate citizens, they think they're aligned in their values with them. And so that's really what brand marketing is. It's how do we show our values outwards to our community and reflect the values that they have. And so with the Read Me Project, it's really meant to give our community what they need and do it in a way that's thoughtful and that's authentic and that continues to uphold our end of the deal with our with our handshake with the community that we're not hawking product as Rob shared and it it can really bring people along so that someday and it might be 10 years from now when they are in that place where they could be the person making the software purchasing decision or informing it or signing the check, that that was the only brand that they want to work with because we have supported their growth from day one. So not being able to tie this directly to MQLs and to close deals can be really scary for a lot of people, right? Like we're all dealing with finite marketing budgets. How do you think about trying to justify a spend like this when you can't tie it back? Like what, what then ultimately are the things that you're measuring to know, hey, we should go forward with this or we should pull the plug on this because it's not working? Like how else can you think about quantifying this or measuring this to see if it's a success or not? We have a marketing leader who's my boss who puts this really well. And I wish I had done it this way, but I mean, you can take credit for it. We don't yeah, have to no, no. take credit for it. You can no, just no, say no. Shout out to Tebow, who hopefully is listening. But not everything in marketing should be measured. And there have to be programs along the way that you do for the community that is with you. And in and around brand, as, as Virginia says, we want to create a place where people want to be, where they feel like they belong. They learn to code on GitHub and it means something to them. And we're going to nurture them along the way from cradle through professional development. And, you know, we have, we have content that sits on the site. That is, if you want to go learn more, there are, there is a call to action to start a trial or contact sales. And a lot of times this content is adjacent to it. So you can find it. And we're thinking about plans in the future how we take all of our thought leadership content and in marketing content, top of funnel content, mid funnel content, and get them into a cohabitated place, but really carving out our brand only content. And so we'll bring it closer in proximity, but I don't think that we will ever change and try to use this content to convert because we want it to be meaningful for the long term. Not everything in marketing should be measured. That's yeah. going to get you in a lot of trouble. Well, not, a lot of people will not agree with that, but I, I love that idea. And it, I think it's also too that 
I think a lot of the things we measure end up being wrong, right? Like we look at an ebook we put out and we see that like one of the people who downloaded the ebook converted to a sale. So we think that ebook yeah. was what did it, but we know that didn't happen. There was so many other touch points that even the best analytics tools that we have aren't actually measuring, right? And maybe yeah. it's something like this that they saw and then on a library computer, and then they went to their work computer and downloaded this ebook or signed up for something. So it's even the things that we think we can draw a straight line in, we definitely can't. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we don't measure and I don't look at the data and I know the impact that we have because we can see our readership grow exponentially and that is meaningful. And we have, we have our content hub and then we have syndication through channels like LinkedIn, right? And key takeaways will come through in Instagram. And so we do measure and we look at it and we understand what content types are flying and which need to be tweaked. But as far as measurement related to revenue, we will not put folks through the funnel like that. And also we know now, and I don't have the exact number on hand, but we know that so much of the sales cycle happens before anyone ever interacts directly with a trial or with a salesperson. And going back to the impact of brand, that's where we're living. We're living in this space where we're giving people more information and we're giving people more reassurance and we're establishing trust and we're establishing leadership all before somebody would come to a place where maybe they get into what we'd call a sales funnel. And so I think all this starts with doing really, really good content, right? Like you're not going to successfully build this brand. You're not going to grow your readership without doing good content. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you decide what to do guides on, what to do stories on. You talk about a big thing being answering the community's questions. And you said, now that you have this great readership, you're seeing so much more inbound stuff, but how are you trying to figure out what questions to answer, what stories to do before you have this big influx? And then maybe you can talk about now how you're prioritizing things. Yeah. So there are so many ways that you can listen to the community. And some of it is through direct polling. Some of it is just listening through channels. For example, we have the GitHub stars, which are like a, a community, like a cab, for example, of those that, that go through a, an annual cycle and we are at, we and DevRel are asking them questions to understand topically what's front of mind for them. We monitor um, Stack Overflow. We take a look at Hacker News. We'll go ask questions directly, and then through social, we have the Ask RMP hashtag. And so we look at the heat map, and then decide like which topics are coming up to the top, and where we can serve the greatest amount of people. And that's for the guides. For our future stories, we have a, an editorial team. We hired Clint Finley from Wired Magazine and Mike Lanson from the New Stack. And then we have a content strategist as well. And then with Virginia and I and a few others, we sit and pitch each other stories based on what we're seeing out there. Some of them from Clint are like, hey, look, I want to write the story at Wired. But I'm also seeing signals out in the community that they would totally love to discuss this. And so that's how we look at the feature stories. But there are several channels that build that heat map that inform our decisions. That's really interesting. Yeah. So before we get to our wrap up question, what haven't we talked about around this topic that you think would be really 
interesting for our listeners to know. We do listen in all those ways I was talking about to the community, but you're also asking about the content. I think that we have intentionality built around each content type and those are our guide rails. And we are pretty ruthless as a team to make sure that the topic is personal and relevant to a large majority of developers. And our demographic largely hits 18 to 35 year olds and they are early to mid career. And we want to make sure that we are serving them the right way. And so we are absolutely ruthless in the way we think about the guide rails we put up. And, and that informs that informs our direction when we do look at those topics and the heat map I was talking about. And so it's very important to us. And I think that the community has responded really well as a result. So Virginia, why do you think that this approach is the future of advocacy? It's something that a lot of people should be focused on. Our team was incredibly honored to actually receive a recent CAP award in Advocacy 2.0, which was really focused around how do we take advocacy beyond the framework we might recognize of customer storytelling and using customers on stage and in your earnings activities, et cetera. And the Readme Project was the first annual winner of this award. And when I think about why, what we're doing and why I do think it's cutting edge in the advocacy space is because we're using a lot of the principles of customer marketing, like using the voice of your customer to validate. But we're going beyond that instead of saying, how can you say that our product or our solution is the right one for you? To saying, how can you help other people not feel the same friction and pain that maybe you pushed through in your own career? Or how can you share the things that people should be thinking about? Because we don't just focus on how to write better code or how to think about licensing your open source or how to focus on building a community. We also talk about the more cultural sides. How do you get your first job in tech? What does it mean to be a developer advocate? How do you choose the right platform for communication when you're trying to have a you know, is it a tough conversation or is it a tech conversation? So there's all of these different strategies that we're just trying to say, you might be just out of college and you might have ambitions to become a CTO someday. And here's some tools that can help you on your journey. And we're doing it in a way that gives people the microphone to share their own thought leadership, because we're all trying to grow in our own career as well as helping those along. It's, it's really the ultimate source of scalable, evergreen mentorship in a way. And so, so why do you feel like that approach of giving back and like having people share their experiences really is the future of at least this part of marketing? Like why do you think it's something that so many more people should be focusing on? With customer stories... They're very well understood at this point. We are all using our customers to tell our story about our product truth and why we're a great thing. By decoupling it from the CTA and the push towards conversion and really focusing authentically on what people want to know and hear and just being within the same space as your product exists within, but not being so narrow to your product. Like 
in a lot of ways, you achieve the same goal. But you can say, look at all these logos that are using our solution. A logo for me as a customer marketer, like having Spotify on the README project is as good as having them on our customer stories page. But the outcome is much more impactful for the reader because it's focusing on an actionable outcome and a best practice that they can actually take and use. Whereas an enterprise customer story is a top of funnel or mid funnel, maybe even activity is more saying, yes, other people with similar challenges have trusted this brand and they've come through. But you can't turn that into something that you can, as Rob said, copy and paste into your code base and start building on today. So I'd like to end these interviews off the same way, which is asking for some really actionable advice. So for the people listening at home, what's one thing that they can implement? We talked about this actionable advice, so maybe for you guys, it's not going to be some code snippets you can share, but what's one thing that people can implement today, tomorrow to make themselves more customer centric as a company? Yeah. Well, first of all, every vendor, every company has a community. It can be a small user community for a startup, or it could be large, like, like GitHub's, for example. And so first I would say is listen to them, find your heat map, right? And then you'll understand what they want to hear about the topics they're interested in. And then you can leverage your community experts, um, your, your biggest advocates to help teach them and leverage them. And as Virginia says, in a really authentic way. The other thing I would say is we were just talking about intentionality, right? And content and it grounds you and start small. We started with one content type and we're ruthless around it. And then it gave us permission to think about other ways to serve the community. So those are the two I would think about. What about you, Virginia? Yeah, I think that's spot on. Thinking about the community that you're supporting too doesn't necessarily have to mean you don't have to be a vendor that's selling a software solution even. And you could think about a company like Airbnb. They're selling space in people's homes so you can have a vacation experience. And so content that could be resonate could resonate with their community could be tips on getting great flights or tips on what to pack for various locations. It doesn't need to be, here's a house to rent. And so think about, think a little broader about what is it that people are looking to learn and solve for that kind of are adjacent to the solution and the product that you're selling. And then I, Rob is like the biggest proponent of intent and now it's part of my language as well and the way I talk to my team, but it's super valuable when you get clear and specific and content, it can't do everything for everyone. You need to be clear about who is your audience? What is their goal? What do you want them to learn and take away from every piece of content they engage with? And take the time to be specific on those things and then use that intent as your yardstick to determine how well you're meeting the goals that you set out for yourself. And if you realize that you've drifted from that intent and you're no longer driving towards that, correct your path. Don't just go forward and see what happens. Stay really true to that intent and it will really help you shape your decision-making in everything that you do. That's well said. 
the only other thing I would add is just something to keep in mind is that your customer is the hero, right? And for all advocacy, put the customer first. They are orchestrating a strategy through your product, your service, but it's really them that you need to put first in any advocacy effort. And having that intentionality as you're building content or anything, just keeping that front of mind, I think will keep you from overthinking your advocacy program. Yeah, I think sometimes it's so simple. I think you can just ask yourself like, is this really about our customers or about us? Like we're using their name, like we maybe put them in the headline because they're the Spotify's or whoever of the world, but is it actually about them or is it really about us? And maybe it doesn't always have to be about the customer, although it's about, all about the customer is the name of the show. If you pretend to be customer centric and you're not actually creating content or whatever that is about the customer, then it, you're really not customer centric. This is right. It's, it's not just about mentioning these customers. It's actually like, are you putting the customers at the heart of this? Is this actually going to benefit these people? I think it's such a really simple shift that people need to ask themselves. Am I just pretending for this to be customer centric or is this actually about the customer? Right. Virginia, Rob, this was terrific. So many really good gems in here that I personally would be taking away. So hopefully everybody at home found it valuable, but thank you both so much for being on the show. Thanks, Dan. Super fun. Thank you. This README project is something that every customer-centric person should check out. Your audience might not be developers. You might not have 94 million customers around the world, but you can learn something from this approach. I don't think every company in the world can put together an initiative at this scale, but all of us can certainly start making some more content or resources that are purely for the good of our customers. All of us can work on some marketing initiatives while knowing it might not pay immediate dividends. Not everything in marketing should be measured might sound heretical, but there's something to that. Playing the long game and helping provide value to our customers is only going to work out in our favor. You don't have to go all in on an approach like this, but maybe you can start at least taking some steps in the right direction. This has been the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influitive. I've been your host, Dan Kalmar. Until next time, stop measuring things in your marketing efforts. Actually, no, that, that, that wasn't the takeaway from this. I don't think Rob would agree with that. Just, I don't know, don't measure everything.